What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Bread, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, he's a repeat offender and uh, and he's why I can listen to rap music confidently. He is the sole proprietor of the collective experience. Goes by the name, why did I just blank on your name? Dave Drakes. Dave, how's it going? <laughs> What's going on, Brad? I can't believe you forgot me already, man. Literally just talked. <laughs> Literally forgot your name as I was introducing you. That's fun. Uh, anyway, um, it's it's just a, that, that kind of a Monday. But uh, you yourself are on a trip yeah. right now. I am not in transit. So I'm, I'm in the friendly confines of my, my home. But uh, where, the, where the heck are you right now, my friend? Yeah, I uh, made the trek out to Jersey. I've been a long week of uh, racing up some super bikes, so doing some training this week for work and just trying to expand my skill set into motorcycles. So I figured, you know, let's hop on some Yamahas, rip them around, and see what happens. Fair enough. Well, uh, like, yeah. that that sounds terrible. It sounds like poor you. Oh, it's tough, man. It's a tough job, you know, but you got to make those sacrifices, right? No kidding. Absolutely. And that's why I made you wait to do this <laughs> podcast. Um, appreciate you coming on. If, for those who don't know, uh, the collective experience an exclusive pr- program where uh, fans get an up close and personal uh, experience with Supercross as a sport, the athletes, the whole nine yards. Before we get into a re- review of Hangtown, which went down only two days ago, uh, give us a little bit of a rundown of what the collective experience is all about. Yeah, no problem. Um... The collective experience is pretty much what you just said. It's a very all-inclusive um, VIP program where fans get a chance to really immerse themselves in what it's like to be uh, a member of the team. They get a chance to shadow the riders, mechanics, team managers, and really feel like they're part of the entire uh, day. 
So it goes from sun up to sundown. They're getting a chance to touch the bike, talk to the riders, watch practice, uh, bench race a little bit, review videos, get rig tours, get hooked up with swag bags, and really make those lasting connections that you really can't make anywhere else. Um, so we take we take a lot of pride in it. We make sure that we treat every fan like they're the number one fan, um, and we really just want to get them as 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 well connected and as uh, value packed and immersed in the in the sports we can. And the cool part is. Uh, almost all of the proceeds go directly towards the riders. So not only are you having a kick-ass day, but you're really great things for the industry by helping out those privateers and their, uh, and their team. So um, it's kind of almost like a win-win. So uh, we, we take a lot of pride in it, like I said, and uh, we're, we're having a blast doing it. Absolutely. You guys do amazing work, uh, not only putting some, some well-earned dollars into the genes of uh, some, some top-flight privateers in the sport, but also giving fans a, uh, an exclusive look they've never been able to see before by uh, going on the track walk, going on, uh, getting like, into the, the pits nice and early, getting to see the, the racer's perspective of that whole procedure that is race day. Um, and I also understand that recently you've um, kind of teamed up with or, uh, or partnered up with um, privateerlife.mx. Uh, yeah, we have. Um, Garrett's an awesome dude, and he does something really cool for the for the privateers. Also, you know, he does um, like entry reimbursement. So, you know, those guys pay a pretty big amount for their race entries each week. So, Garrett kind of does his due diligence to to talk to some local sponsors or uh, local supporters and try to get some funding for these guys, whether it's a hundred dollar drawing or um, you know some cash for gas or a place to sleep for the night while they're in town. Um, he runs a pretty cool program where you know even the local racers like you and myself, you know, we can kind of get hooked up and, and get in touch with uh, a network of people who, you know, can house us, help us wash our bikes and we're out, you know, out of state, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you and I both got hooked up with him and, uh, we're going to be helping out some, uh, some privateers at a few races. So it's, uh, definitely a pretty cool gig and it's, it's good to see so many privateers getting the support they need. You know, it's really going to help our sport and, uh, help the companies like, you know, big and next grow. Absolutely, and I appreciate you helping me grow, my friend. And now uh, we're about uh, seven minutes into this thing, and nobody has learned anything about Hangtown, so uh, they're about to turn this thing off. But wait, now the experts are about to roll in. You yourself have watched countless motocross races. I'm in the exact same boat, and uh, four more motos were, uh, were put into our quiver this last weekend, Hangtown being its 50th running of the Red Bull Hangtown Motocross Classic. The 250 class is what started our day, and uh, it all started, you gotta, you gotta start the conversation off with the big old number one. Uh, he increased, uh, he, he got a points lead right off the first uh, first uh, moto here, uh, followed that up with a 1-1 a, a ride. Zach Osborne, 2017 champ, looking good after the first round. Yeah, he looked unstoppable. I mean, coming in, Everyone kind of told this guy is a fan favorite, right? You said yourself, 2017 champion. He's, he's what, three for three on championships, supercross, motocross, back-to-back. I mean, the guy almost can't be denied. So um, to watch him, you know, relate to these guys on uh, on Saturday was, was pretty cool. Um, he looked looked flawless. I mean, he didn't make too many mistakes. He was able to kind of um, combat a lot of those, you know, little pressure moments from Martin, kind of slice his way up to the front a little bit. Um, really, really didn't seem to be off of his game. Like, you know, Supercross ended and Motocross started right back up where he left off. So really, really cool to see him kind of, uh, kind of take that, take that flag and run with it a lot, you know? 
Absolutely. And both motos uh, struggled with uh, like mediocre starts, not terrible starts, so to speak. Uh, it wasn't like he's down on the first corner, but had to come through and pass uh, his closest rivals uh, to get to where he was. And uh, he did so in a spectacular fashion. The guy was just pushing the motorcycle, um, whether it was qualifying or during, uh, during his, his motos. The guy was absolutely pushing it and then uh, found himself a pretty decent gap. Uh, in both motos, and um, I, I think uh, like it's a small sample size. Nothing that you can really uh, write like is kind of um, the whole season's going to look like this. But a great uh, hangtown, great way to start the season. Exactly, and you can really tell how comfortable he is in that bike. Some of the lines he was taking, where you know there's some of those pretty gnarly downhills and some some pretty harsh braking bumps, and he was not afraid to let it hang out and really hug that inside, throw the bike down a rut, and just blast out. Um, you know, where some, maybe some of the other rookies might have, uh, you know, wouldn't time it right, or they'd kind of come in and get hooked by something inside the rut and kind of get off balance a little bit. I mean, he would just hold the thing wide and just come out perfect every single time. So it was it was really cool to watch that. I mean, it was it was almost like watching someone just ride on rails the entire time. It's kind of reminiscent of what we saw, you know, when uh, Roxon was kind of kicking butt a few years ago in outdoors. And like you said, it's a small sample size. You know, we still have a long long season to go, but. If things keep up like this, man, then Zach's going to, he might be eating everyone's lunch for the season. Absolutely. And uh, apparently hasn't changed a single clicker on that machine from the following year. Obviously a brand new fresh bike, but all things set up identical to how he finished off his championship last year. He was, uh, he was uh, trailed by the guy who got second in the championship last year. Uh, it was by a, a pretty sizable margin, but Jeremy Martin uh, had a much better hang town than last year, obviously with his bike breaking last year. And uh, so I think it was like a 37-3. He backs, uh, he, he, he betters that this last weekend with a 2-2. Very, con- very consistent, uh, put this bike where he needs to be. And uh, maybe not as, as happy as he'd like to be walking away from Hangtown, but uh, uh, a whole lot happier than last year. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of tell he's liking his bike set up a little bit more. And, you know, he even said in there in the interview, he's, uh, he feels a little, little bit more comfortable and you can kind of see that it was, you, you saw little flashes of him in the last few rounds of supercross where he was really pushing the bike and starting to really find his flow and his groove. So coming into outdoors, I think, you know, a lot of people were questioning, you know, where he would be, you know, we're used to seeing Jeremy on the blue bikes where he was, you know, kicking butt, winning the championship, yarding everybody. And we haven't seen that lately since, you know, he's been on the, on the Hondas. So to to see him, you know, kind of kind of holding his own and putting it up on the podium and and looking a lot better, it's getting a lot, little, lot more people some confidence in him, and it'll be really cool to see what happens once he gets some more some more time under his belt. And then it also begs the question, you know, was it bike set up in the previous years? What wasn't he liking about you know the ride? Was it suspension based? Was it motor based? You know, what did, what did Honda do right for him this year? So, um, you know, with all that being said, it, it's it's just great to see him up there. He looks happy. I'm really pumped to see what he does at Glen Helen and all the rounds after that. You know, the guy can ride some rough stuff. He never gets tired. So I think um, I think if he gets it figured out, we'll have some good racing between him and Zach. That he will. Uh, that, that we will. Um, I think that uh, uh, horsepower-wise, he's in a much better position than he was last year. Um, and just, uh, uh, yeah, like uh, he, he benefited from being on a Yamaha for those two years when those things were absolute fire breathers and then stepping onto a, uh, maybe a, I wouldn't say out of date, but maybe not as much of a flyer fire breather of a Honda last year. 
He's definitely back where he was, uh, or at least close to back where he was when he uh, knocked off two championships. And and if that's being said, uh, you can you're looking forward to this guy uh, knocking off podiums all year long for as long as he's going to have uh, his, his ducks in a row. Jeremy Martin is going to challenge for race wins and and podium performances throughout this summer. Uh, I think is a great step forward for him and. Uh, um, between him and Osborne, I think they've definitely separated themselves as one and two. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, it was, it was evident during the race. I mean, Martin, very few mistakes. Um, same with Zach. I mean, those guys were, they were pushing it. Um, both guys looked really comfortable. Zach more so, obviously, you know, being on the bike that he's uh, pretty much on for last year, like you said, no clicker change, even just super, super solid, um, foundation, um, Jeremy looks good, man. I'm like I said, I'm super excited to see what this kid can do with some more seat time, um, getting the bike even more dialed in. Good start, man. I, I think I think he can really make a push for this thing. For sure. And so uh, that being said, we get, uh, we we had a podium here, and we, well, that was rounded out by uh, Aaron Plessinger, who, in my opinion, uh, maybe didn't have the the best possible uh, outcome, but. A damn good one. Showed speed. Uh, looked like he kind of got lost a little bit there. Uh, kind of just right in the middle of one of his motos. Then picked it right back up. And at one point, he was the fastest man on the track. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on Aaron Plessinger's ride? I thought he did good. Uh, you know, I, I think um, we kind of we see a lot of guys who win their Supercross championships come into outdoors and it looks like they almost forgot how to ride a motorcycle. You know, they're you know they're. 13th, 14th, 10th, something like that. Um, and AP kind of turned that on his head. You know, he, he looked good. He looked smooth. You know, didn't really like the wall on fire. He wasn't, you know, wasn't yarding everybody. But the guy looked like he was, um, you know, he was comfortable. He, he looked smooth, sitting up on the pegs, just that typical tall, you know, AP style that he's got, real, uh, real, real, real smooth. Um, I, th- I think it's going to take him maybe another race or two for him to kind of get his full MX mojo on, but he's off to a solid foundation. I mean, you know, he also did kind of suffer with um, getting drawn back after some of the starts, a lot of bar banging, a lot of guys getting excited for the first race. So I think with a clean start, um, he could really, he could really do some damage, but it was, it was really nice to see that this guy could still pull a podium right after a Supercross championship and not just get hung up on, you know, I just won this, this, you know, uh, this class, I just got a, a championship. I can kind of take a breather, a step back, take my focus off. Um, he was gung ho, looked like he was ready to do some, uh, some damage to these guys. And I'm happy, I'm happy to see him pull off a three, four for a third overall. Oh, absolutely. And, and he kept Air, Alex Martin in sight for pretty much the entire second moto. Uh, those guys, you could throw a blanket over them for the most part throughout that moto, uh, keeping each other well in sight. And, um, but, uh, Aaron gets, uh, Alex got the better of him in that moto, but Aaron gets the, uh, the, the overall because, uh, Alex Martin, his first moto, um, absolutely, uh, just got, it was a bit, I wouldn't say butt ugly. Seventh is not a bug, but ugly, uh, moto by any respect, but, um, but just like not where you expect him to be. Didn't have the greatest of starts and, uh, and struggles throughout that first moto, but definitely backed that up. Um, by showing that he is definitely uh, in the hunt for podiums all summer long. Exactly. You know, we kind of missed him in Supercross, didn't see much much of him, but uh, it's it's nice to see him kind of um, putting himself up there, you know, top five, um, just kind of putting himself in front of the, the, the viewership again. Um, I was kind of expecting, um, you know, the two Martin boys to, to really make a push for this. You know, like Jeremy, I was super happy with the way he rode. 
Um, I, I really thought Alex would be up there in the top three. You know, he's almost an outdoor specialist. The guy, the guy can definitely win some races. Um, little disappointed to see that first moto with the seven kind of get mired back. You know, it was the first moto, so you kind of got to give him some leeway. Um, but yeah, you kind of expect him to be up there, you know, one or two getting on the podium. So we'll see what he can kind of muster up in these, uh, next couple of races and, uh, see if he can get his mojo flowing again and, and, and get his legs underneath them and, and start, uh, making a push for some wins. But you know, it's like I said, it's, it, it's just really good to see, uh, a lot of these guys coming back from injuries. Good to see them battling and, um, good to see a KTM up there. We didn't see too many KTMs making any noise, um, other than, you know, Muskin in the 450. So it was, it was good that he put, uh, he put KTM in a good spot. Well, there's a white KTM that actually won. You can't, you can't really count it anymore. I mean, maybe 2016, you could kind of say that, but we're thinking of as separate entities now. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> as far as orange bikes go, yeah, you're right. He was the, t- he was the highest placing orange bike. Um, followed closely, rounding out your top five, Co- Co- Justin Cooper. I'm going to call him Cody Cooper. Justin Cooper, um, basically his, I think his fir- third or fourth national, fifth professional race takes home a uh, a five goes goes five nine for fifth overall, which kind of does, does tell you that there's a guy, a lot of guys that have been mixed bag of results uh, that uh, getting a ninth in the second moto still lands you inside the top five. But uh, that being said, a guy that led laps, uh, I think he maybe I wouldn't say blew his wad, but uh, I think like a, a great um, start to a, to a career or a start to a summer for a kid who uh, is showing a lot of promise. And uh, that, that endurance and that strength is going to come with experience, um, which you see from all those uh, veterans that are ahead of him. Exactly. You know, he's, he's definitely a talented rider. We saw that towards the end of uh, Outdoors last year. Um, he looks smooth. You know, he, he was out front for a little while and didn't seem like he couldn't run the pace. You know, he was giving these guys, I think, all that they could handle for a little bit. So like you said, with, with some more experience, maybe and some endurance, Maybe this kid can kind of uh, fill the shoes of you know what Jeremy Martin and Alex Martin left off, or Cooper Webb for that matter, and and um, put a blue bike on top again. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people have faith in him. Um, he's definitely a good amateur prospect. I had the pleasure of riding with him a couple of times, being you know from Connecticut. And he's from New York. Granted, they were you know he's on a smaller bike than me, and he blew me away pretty hard. Um, but um, yeah, it's 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 definitely good to see you know a lot of these newer riders coming up and and not taking much time to do battle with some of these front runners, man. It's it's uh, it, it's pretty good for the sport to see that and knowing that we have these new crops of uh, riders coming in, it, it's it's good to see that. Um, I, I'm really I'm really pumped to see what happens when this guy gets gets the nerves worked out and uh, doesn't let you know the big number one kind of scare him you know too much. And um, starts making a, a bigger push, getting some good starts like he did this past weekend, and start battling for some podiums and, and uh, mixing up a bit. Absolutely. So <clears throat> let, let's run through a few more, uh, few more guys here. Rounding out your top ten: Chase Sexton, Jordan Smith, Joey Savacci, R.J. Hampshire, and Garrett Marchbanks. Marchbanks being a his first professional race, lands himself in the top ten. Impressive, but. Uh, um, the the guy that jumps out to me, well, actually two, but uh, you know, on the positive side, Chase Sexton proving himself to be uh, definitely worth his salt, looking good out there on uh, on that Geico Honda, and he gets a uh, he goes eleven five for seventh overall, 
And um, but also Joey Savacci on the uh, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, he's gone one one at this race before. A very uh, invisible day for him. You didn't see him too much of the the seventeen out there. Yeah, you know, especially since he had some pretty decent starts. I think he got some top five starts. Um, I don't know if it's just if it's a little bit of bike setup that was kind of hurting him, or um, just you know fatigue from just this being the first outdoor ride but we kind of expect Savachi to be a front runner i mean doing battle with martins and and uh plessinger and, and osborne um he's definitely you know uh he's definitely a talented rider i mean he can he can get the job done he's, he's a championship caliber rider so it kind of makes a question you know what's what's going on with joey is he is he letting uh some of these guys out his cage a little bit is he not gelling well with the bike you know um is it just first race jitters what's what's kind of holding them back but we definitely expect him to be up there a little bit better. Um, Sexton, it, it's good to see him still making runs for the front. He, I still kind of put him in sort of that rookie class, you know, still a newbie, still trying to get some experience in his belt. Uh, but the kid's got talent for days. It, I'm, I'm, just like I said with some of the other riders, I'll be really um, interested to see what he does with a good start and uh, the nerves knocked out and a bit more experience. I mean, I think that kid could probably be like the next big thing. Um, and going back to March Banks, man, the, the rookie class for uh, Outdoors 2018 is pretty healthy, man. And it's really crazy to see kids that were on super minis like a year or a year and a half ago move up to the pro ranks and get a top 10 already. It's, it's phenomenal, man. It's, it just shows that the the amateurs are just the perfect perfect grooming spots for uh for the next next biggest and greatest so um another shout out to another rookie um jordan bailey also scored a a pretty decent spot on 19th overall he's another another rookie so um yeah these guys are these guys are kicking butt man 1919 for joe uh, for jordan's first national um <clears throat> Like there, there was a lot of surprises out there. Uh, one of them being, honestly, uh, Austin Forkner. Austin Forkner went uh, ended up going four thirty nine, pulling out of the the second moto with a uh, a back or a lower back pain, not necessarily a back issue, maybe a rib issue. Um, but for the most part, I was ex- I was expecting him to be uh, right where that first uh, that, that first result would be is right in that top five. I think. Um, and honestly, fourth place is kind of uh, like kind of honestly where I kind of see him fitting in with everybody. The other guy that kind of jumps off the page at me, Justin Hill, with a 16th overall, uh, kind of mired back in uh, in the middle teens of the uh, of the pack. Not something that he wants to continue with going forward, but not also based on last year's outdoor uh, outdoor races. Um, not a, not a whole lot of optimism to see that things are going to change or anytime quick. Yeah, I you know I can't get Hill figured out, man. It's you know he won the won the championship last year, got a race win in San Diego this year, I believe, and after that he kind of just you know fell flat. I, I don't know if it's the bike he's not getting along with the team, if he's just kind of you know just waiting in the water waiting for a four fifty deal. Um, but you know Justin Hill has a lot more talent than he was showing this year. You know the the guy won it, like I said, won a championship. He's just as fast as, you know, any of the other top front runners. And to see him back in 16th is really, really does not reflect well on his talent or, uh, or the team at all. You know, I mean, heck, the rookie Enzo Lopes is one spot in front of him, you know, in 15th. And that guy, that's his first race, you know, in the pro. So, yeah, um, they yeah, probably would have really... saw a lot of each other all day because they finished around the same spot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, chasing the, the new guy around a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, you, you figured that he'd um, he'd kind of get it figured out by now. You know, he's he's not a rookie by any means. You know, uh, he's almost one of the vets of this of this class. So it'd be um, uh, it'd be good to kind of figure out like what's what's kind of holding him back, what's his hang up right now, and and you know what what does he need to do to to, to raise that up and get him towards the top of the pack. Totally agree. Uh, one last thought before we move on to the uh, four fifty class. Brandon Hartraft, uh, a very talented rookie, uh, his first outdoor national, I believe, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think yeah, he's running a, a, a four-digit or three-digit number, so he's definitely uh, brand new to it. Impressive ride for him as well. A 14-12 lands him on 14th overall, and uh, yeah, not a bad day for his first race. Yeah, it's um, definitely a good showing. Anytime he can come out there. And get a top twenty in your rookie, uh, your rookie race. You're on the right path. You're doing something correct. So you know, good for him getting getting all the way up there. And what looked like a pretty gnarly track, and the competition's not getting any softer each week. So um, if he can if he can keep that that momentum going, he should be able to crack some top tens or better uh, before the season's out. That he should. So we're gonna throw it to commercial break right here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. And when we get back, we're talking the premier class. That's the 450s and uh, how Eli Tomac ended up taking the first overall of the season. We'll be right back on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. In motorsports, the action pulls us in. And often, we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available... Nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drakes has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Ettingknapp, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. TheCollectiveXP.com as well as the Collective EX on Instagram is where you can find the Collective Experience. Do so immediately. The Collective Experience. Nobody gets you closer. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of amigos. For extreme kids like us. Fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. What's up guys? It's Bruce Cook here with Nitro Circus. We're coming to Kelowna, BC, May 25th for the next level tour, and I'm so stoked to see you there. The most action-packed event on the planet is back, bigger and crazier than ever before, with the largest ramps you've ever seen. Nitro Circus, the global youth entertainment phenomenon, returns to North America this year with the epic Next Level Tour. This spectacular brand new production, an all-moto adrenaline rush, will have death-defying tricks, 
jaw-dropping, world's firsts, and absurd stunts. It all adds up to a thrilling show simply too big to fit indoors. The Next Level Tour launches mid-May, just in time for summer, and will visit over 10 cities across the continent through June. Brainchild of Travis Pastrana, global superstar, action sports icon, and Nitro Circus ringleader, the Next Level Tour features the best athletes in action sports taking on the biggest ramps in the world. The Nitro Circus design team has put it all on the line with this show, doubling down on the risk factor. The FMX Next Level Takeoff Ramp alone, a towering 15 feet above the show floor, a whopping 5 feet taller than any ramp toured before, will launch riders more than 60 feet into the sky. The landing ramp also looms large, standing 23 feet in height. The Nitro Circus Next Level Tour will include several athletes, including Bruce Cook, Jared McNeil, Jared Duffy, Blake, Bilko Williams, and many more. For more information, visit nitrocircus.com. Hey guys, it's Fly Racing's Justin Brayton, winner of the 2018 Daytona Supercross. You're listening to the Big MX Radio. And we're back. Big MX Radio podcast show. Still here talking with Dave Drakes, who probably wants to go to bed. It's 10 to, uh, 12, 20 to 12, 20 to 11 out, uh, out on the East Coast. But uh, we're keeping him up in the wee hours of the evening so that we can talk dirt bikes. He obliges because he likes to talk dirt bikes, but he's probably hating me right now. Either way, we're talking <laughs> the 450 class. And, of course, this podcast is brought to you by FMF. You need, a po- you need a, uh, an exhaust system. Look no further than uh, FMF. Tons of different uh, options as far as whether you want to slip on with a full system, two-stroke, four-stroke. Look into those guys. They're celebrating 45 years of excellence this year, and uh, I definitely love Little D and everything that he's got going on with those guys. Now the 450s. Dave, these guys are going way too fast. The, the speeds that these guys are going in some of these sections just freaks me out, and I'm watching it on TV, which doesn't do it justice. What did you see when you were watching the 450s? Uh, just insane amounts of speed. I mean, I... It's all. It's tough to wrap your head around how fast these guys are going, and like like you said on TV, you know they're still blowing us away. Could you only imagine if you were standing next to the fence when, you know, Eli was making a run after he fell. You know, um, just the this this corner speed, the uh, the speed they were hitting the uphill whoops with. I mean, the fact that they're having to scrub the things that they're scrubbing. You know, like I, I saw a couple guys having to scrub some like a the uphill roller section. Like you know, it, it's. It's absolutely insane. Um, watching Eli kind of go one one was it was like watching the Beethoven write a symphony. You know what I mean? The guy was just perfect again, safe for the crash. But you know, after he got up and the line choices he had, and just the way he put his head down and just charged to the front, um, staying lower than everybody else, holding it open longer, and just chase charging those uh, those straightaways, coming down the hills, attacking harder. Um, the guy just can't be denied, man. I think this is definitely, uh, definitely Eli's championship to, uh, to lose right now. Marvin gave him a pretty good fight. Um, I'm honestly surprised to see Marvin, um, going as good as he did. He looks like he was, he's even better than he was last year. Um, and the guy just looks super solid. Uh, not as big of a, of a guy physically as Eli. You can kind of tell that in his riding style where Eli kind of can soak up some things and really take a beating and throw the bike around. Marvin has to kind of hop and skip, use a bit more technique, be a little bit more flowy. Um, and it, it's really cool to see how, uh, how even they, they can be sometimes. So 
I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty pumped to see how far this thing goes. If Marvin can kind of find an extra gear and and keep Eli at bay and to give him a, a harder run, and uh, if, I want to see if Eli can um, can win by more. <laughs> that'd be that'd be really cool. I mean, the guy is just flawless right now, man. It's it's awesome. It's such a such a cool sight to see that guy ride. Absolutely, just seeing these guys. Uh, absolutely go for it and you're totally right although it's it's a boring moto uh to watch uh if maybe you're bought on the fences um Eli Tomac when he's able to just uh put down those lap times that are literally three four seconds a lap uh faster than than Marvin uh the second place rider let alone the rest of the field uh is something to see and uh it doesn't uh, make for great uh, passes and stuff like that but uh watching Eli cut through the field after his bobble in the second moto Definitely looks like the rest of the pack are in for a long, long summer uh, if they can't uh, wick up the speed and hang with the guy. Um, Marvin did a great job of, 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 doing, of trying to do that. His, his best attempt landed him a 2-2. Uh, he was definitely second best on the day, but uh, I really feel like he may have let the one slip through his fingers as far as that second moto. I know Eli was on a, on a charge, and uh, it was tough for, Eli, or for Marvin to... Uh, to match that speed in that second moto, but uh, that's a moto that you kind of have to have. Um, what were your thoughts on Marvin's ride? I thought I thought Marvin um, rode rode really decent. Um, once Eli kind of fell, I kind of thought this is Marvin's. You know, I thought he kind of had it in the bag. Um, he he looked smooth. He looked fluid. He didn't make many mistakes. Um, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, the guy was going really really fast which just shows how much better Tomac was going, you know, what, what type of rod he was putting on to be able to fall and be so far back and catch and then pull Marvin. Um, I think Marvin really needs to get these good starts like he's, like he's been doing, um, kind of getting up front and just clawing his way out and just getting a, getting a nice little sizable lead, a nice little cushion underneath him. Um, I think he really needs to start searching for these lines that are going to give him that extra second or extra second and a half here or there, which Tomac seems to be doing a little bit better. You know, he's not afraid to ride the edges, um, kind of mix up lines a little bit, try some new combos, some cool tire taps, try to get his front end down in certain sections. I mean, uh, he, he's really, uh, really an ambitious and really, uh, really interesting rider to see the way he kind of picks the track. And I think if Marvin can kind of do that a little bit more and, and, and find those lines that will kind of give him that advantage, um, I think he'd be a little bit better off. You know, he kind of, kind of stuck to some more of the, the same lines as everybody else, whereas, like I said, Eli was just, uh, you know, picking, picking some better ones. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to see Marvin just really, really ride to his full potential. I, I, know, he's, I know he's close, but I, I think the guy has a little bit more left in him, and I, I want to see him uh, try to get a win and make this thing interesting for us. I want to see the, a dogfight between these two guys, you know, for the whole season, I think. We want to see it. Everyone else in the industry wants to see it, you know, and it'll make our reviews a little bit more smoky. <laughs> that they will. It would. Uh, it would also help if we disagreed with each other uh, now and again. But uh, maybe if we started talking about, um, like, I don't know, music, probably we we, we would we wouldn't find so much common ground there. I know you you're you're all yeah, about probably. you're uh, you're a country fan, and I'm I'm all about the hip hop. So uh, that, that's uh, that's neither here nor yeah, there. Exactly. But, Rounding out the podium, a guy that was surprisingly consistent and, um, and, and honestly a little faster than I thought he would be, Justin Barsha, um, the clutch destroyer himself, a 3-3 ride, uh, making it all too consistent all the way through that top podium. Um, he finds himself uh, in some fast company up there on the podium. 
He did. Um, and I'm surprised. I did not expect to see Barsha in third place on the Yamaha. As much you know, flack as he gave those guys when he was on JGR about setup and how weird the bike felt, how big it felt, I figured, you know, what we saw in Supercross was just a little, you know, just him being excited to be back on a, on a factory team. Um, so I kind of expected this guy to be more of a, you know, fifth, six, seven. But he rode awesome, man. I, I'm really curious how this bike differs from his JGR bike. I can't imagine it's that different, seeing that JGR was uh, factory supported for a little bit. Um, but it's it looks like he's comfortable. So I mean, that's really all that matters, right? Um, he looked he looked smooth. He looked pretty fluid. He looked like he was chilling with the bike pretty decently. He wasn't spooked by any of these guys. He didn't look like he got particularly that that gas or that winded. Um, rode the bike really well. Um, I kind of want to see if he gets a better start and kind of hang with Marvin a bit, you know, we all know he's not scared to rub elbows and to get in there and stuff some people. So he's definitely not shook up like that. But um, if he got a better start and maybe he got to set up just a, a hair better, you know, could we see a 2014 Barsha where him and Dungey were trying to fight in tooth and nail a little bit. So um, yeah, definitely pleasantly surprised. I'd love to see more of a guy in the top three, um, put some more shine on Yamaha and, and uh, get his name back up there. That that it is honestly. This this guy is uh, is has the potential to win races. Has done so in the past, even outdoors and in. But uh, and and if that's the case, he's going to make that much harder for guys like Blake Baggett, Jason Anderson, uh, and the rest of the of the of the gang to uh, to keep pace. And honestly, that's like for for a guy like Eli Tomac, that's one more guy that might be uh, performing well enough to separate himself from the rest of the contenders. Um, like uh, I, I seriously think that uh, Justin is going to give uh, absolute fits to guys like Anderson and uh, Baggett all summer long. Yeah, oh for sure. Um, I, same thing with the passenger. I kind of I kind of expected Anderson to come in and kind of um, be a little off his game, having just won the championship. And I don't really think of Anderson as an outdoor guy, but uh, yeah, he came in and he looked really good. Um, he got gassed a little bit in the first moto, but those guys kind of get away from him and um, got the sixth and second moto, got a little bit gassed there as well. Um, but he didn't look terrible. You know, he, he looked like he really wanted to keep fighting for these positions, um, keep keep moving forward. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before we uh, we see him start battling for the, for the podium. Um, I was kind of bummed to see that Eli kind of passed him up through one of those straightaways um, pretty easily, it looked like. Um, I don't know if that was you know, just a weird line he took or if he was just absolutely just, you know, arm pumped out or what. Um, but he's got to kind of mitigate some of those bad little, you know, those little errors, those little mistakes that he's making um, to kind of set himself up better for the outdoor championship too. So um, if he keeps it up, keeps momentum going, I could definitely see him, you know, stick into these guys and, and take in some, uh, some top five, some podiums or a win away from, from some other people. For sure. Now let's talk about the Supercross champ. Jason Anderson um, looked great in both motos to start with and uh, not so much later on. Uh, in fact, losing a position late, late in uh, the second moto to Benny Bloss, who's uh, basically uh, competing in his second season in the outdoors on a 450. Um, not, not what, not what the, the Essex champ wants to start the season with. Uh, does he rebound in Glen Helen? where he's probably got a little bit more time than Hangtown, but uh, uh, it looked like fitness and wind was the, uh, was the issue, not so much the, uh, the speed. 
Yeah, yeah. Like I, like I said, you know, it's he. You could definitely tell. Definitely tell he got winded. Um, I'm not not sure what kind of uh, super supercross motocross type transition prep they do. You know, I don't really have like two weeks before they get back out there. But um, definitely definitely got winded. I'm still a little bit surprised about how good he did ride. Um, kind of figured he'd be a little bit worse, but he looked he looked pretty decent. And um, you know, the guy that finished right behind him, Baggett, um, I kind of expected him to kind of those two guys to kind of flip spots a little bit. I figured Baggett would just be on the outside of the podium, and um, you know, Anderson kind of showed him up a bit. And we all know how good Baggett is outdoors, and um, I I think I think we've got another race before we see this guy uh, Anderson really start to wick it up and and assert himself in the the top three. I think you're right. I think that uh, I I would kind of um, I'll. I'll reserve judgment until uh, high point the fourth round which is going to be after a week break um by then jason will have had a lot of time uh riding outdoors focusing on outdoors and uh, riding himself into shape a little bit i think that's when he's going to have his best races uh i by no way by by no means think that he's going to be mailing anything in this summer uh, he's a he's a proud champion in the sport and i think he wants to be good outdoors just as badly as he wants to be uh good indoors uh, I can't think of exactly. anyone that um, w- would really uh, think otherwise. Like it, it's obviously there's guys who excel more at one than the other, but I don't think they. Uh, that doesn't mean they don't want to go fast outdoors any less. So uh, I think better days to come for Jason Anderson, and when you'll see it is probably after uh, the break after Colorado. I think so too. Uh, you know, I um, I, I think he needs to race himself in the in the MX pace uh, shape a little bit more, but his time is definitely coming. For sure. Now, uh, one one guy that he was actually able to uh, place in front of for uh, at least the first moto and, and in the overall, Blake Baggett, I expected him to be uh, probably more likely to be in the top three. Um, like, not a terrible performance. The top five isn't anything to sneeze at whatsoever, but uh, gave up some uh, a decent amount of points. To Eli Tomek on the first day, uh, obviously the championship's very new and cha- and uh, mistakes do happen. But uh, um, now now uh, uh, Blake has dug himself a tiny bit of a hole if he wants to be in this championship all year long. Exactly, uh, I think he needs to um, take this as a as one race to learn from and kind of build off of. But you know he can't do any worse than than. Uh, than a third if he wants to to make a run of the championship and from last year you know mx uh, 2017 we saw that this guy can win, win races he can give tomac a fight he does know how to ride that 450 very very well um and he is a he's a title contender you just you can't be you can't be giving these guys you know uh a huge point lead and and go seven four for fifth you know and tomac's on the rails with a one one marvin's pulling away you got Barsha in the mix now you got anderson and you know any any given weekend you can have guys up front like you know roxon uh nicoletti as a fill-in pike i mean any one of these guys could kind of come in there and sneak up sneak up sneak up in um in, in the top five so he's really he, he's really got to get going and um and, and start not nailing off these podiums if he wants to keep these guys at bay because you know you know three points here two points here three points here by the end of the season, you know he's thirty points down. So exactly. uh, you can't waste any you can't waste any time with these guys at the front. You know, um, a, a lot of people have faith in Baggett, but he's got to make it happen now. He's got to use this race as almost a throwaway and just move forward, get those top threes, and just start 
start getting these guys' heads. For sure. And I, like, I, although Eli Tomek has, has shown in the past that he will make mistakes and has made mistakes, I don't think that's something that you can for sure count on, given the fact that uh, he's also been very consistently uh, at the front of the races when he's riding at his true potential and, uh, and, and, and isn't having to, uh, to ride over his head. I think if, uh, I don't think you, you want to bank on, on Eli making a mistake whatsoever. I think you want to take that into your own hands go win some races and uh and that's what Blake's going to have to do to uh like obviously fifth is is, is not the worst uh, result in the world if you're looking forward to a championship but uh he's got to get some homework done. He does. Um and you're right. Fifth is not it's not bad. Hey, it's a hell of a lot better than I could do. Um but he he's if if he wants to make a push with these guys, he's got to he's got to make it happen now. Tomac and Marvin they're just too good a racer to, to leave it to chance, you know, that something might happen, like you said. Um, he's got to attack down. He's, he's got to just push these guys around, get in their heads a little bit, and assert himself in the top three. You know, he, he's got to make it happen. Um, I'm not sure if he's still kind of feeling the effects from last year with the, with the thumb. I know it was a, it was a huge, a huge hang-up for him. Pretty much cost him the championship last year. Um, I'm kind of guessing that he's – close to 100%, really not much to, to hold him back. So um, I think it's now or never. Glenn Helen, he's got to make a move. Absolutely, and that is one of his basically a home track. I know he lives in Florida now, but uh, the friendly confines of Glen Helen, although a lot of riders put a lot of time there. Uh, Blake at one point was basically, uh, I wouldn't say running the joint, but he had keys uh, to ride there when, uh, when other guys maybe couldn't have uh, in the past. So uh, looking for a better result from him this next weekend. Um, in sixth place, Weston Pike, uh, like basically just doing what Weston does, uh, riding a pace that is probably underrated as far as how fast he's actually going just steadily five, seven for sixth overall. Um, that's, that's what, uh, JGR needs right now. That's what they need. That, that's what they've needed all year long. A steady guy to put it in the, in the top 10 and, uh, well inside the top 10 with sixth overall. Uh, he's followed by Benny Bloss, who uh, uh, did, maybe didn't have the greatest first moto, but capitalized on a good start on the first moto, uh, clawed his way back after losing a few positions, and uh, ends up seventh overall. Both uh, good rides from two guys who are uh, a little bit kind of mirrored as far as uh, my expectations from them throughout the season. Uh, same here. You know, I think Weston Pike is one of the most underrated 450 riders. I mean, the guy somehow gets good starts being built like a, you know, a linebacker. Uh, yeah, the guy's, the guy's solid, still gets decent starts, and does not get phased by anyone around him. You could have 10 number one plates behind him, and he will he will ride a wide bike and really put, put it to these guys. Um, I think he's super talented. I think uh, he needs to find just a little bit more speed if he wants to be, you know, bust open in that top five and top four or in land himself on a podium again, like we know he's capable of. Um, but the guy is, is a, he's very, very competitive, very solid, and probably one of the only guys where you're not going to intimidate him, you're not going to scare him, you know, and you're not definitely not going to move him out of the way. Um, Benny Blows, can we please get this guy on a 450 full-time because he's so much better. He looked way more smooth. He looked like he knew what he was doing, like he wasn't struggling to do a simple double, um, <laughs> like he wasn't super cross. You know, he, he's – He's definitely a 450 guy. We got to keep him on there. Um, but same same as Pike. I think he's a little underrated. I think he's got some talent. Um, I think he needs is a little bit more a uh, little bit more experience and just to find another gear if he wants to um, to kind of be where 
uh, Baggett and Anderson are, but I, I think he's damn sure more than capable of doing that. Um, maybe with a little bit more training, a little bit more stamina, get, um, get some, some faster guys to kind of follow around. I think, I think that he could really, um, really open some eyes, uh, if, if he gets some, all his ducks in a row. For sure. Starts would definitely help, uh, being as, as tall and heavy as he is probably not helping him that much on the starts. But, uh, uh, if he's able to, to somehow figure that out, uh, he will be a threat for, uh, for top fives all summer long. A uh, little bit surprised, uh, to see, Christian Craig fall as far back as he did in both motos, eighth place uh, and well off the pace at the end of both motos. Um, just a little bit surprising for a guy who's been in the sport for a long time, a 450 rider uh, that uh, he, he obviously rides a 250 more than he rides a 450. But uh, I think that he his riding style and uh, he's he spent a lot of time on a 450 over the years. Uh, not new to this whatsoever. Uh, a little bit underwhelming, honestly, as far as my expectations. Uh, I expected him, and you talk about like speed and and just overall racing prowess. I would put him ahead of guys like Weston Pike and Benny Bloss, but not this last weekend. Yeah, I, I kind of thought we'd see a red bike in the, uh, the top five, you know, and um, kind of underwhelming, underwhelming performance, like you said. Um, we, Craig had some great starts, man. He looked like he could really make a run for a podium even. Um, but I, I think a little bit of conditioning and just letting these guys get the advantage of him, you know, his, his lines weren't, hundred percent. He was kind of making a few mistakes here and there. Um, he didn't seem like he was really attacking the track from the 15 minute point on, um, up to, you know, two laps to go. He kind of had a lull where he was either pumped up or kind of locked focus a little bit and just allowed those guys to get around him. Um, you know, blow some pike and bag and kind of all, uh, ate him up a little bit. So, um, Maybe, you know, first race jitters, maybe we can call it that. Another couple of weeks, we'll see him, you know, have some better finishes. But, um, you know, the guy's way more talented than a, uh, than an eighth place. You know, he's he's got talent for days. He's a title contender when he puts his mind to it. And um, let, let's hope that, uh, you know, at Glen Helen, we'll see a turnaround and uh, really, really see him sort of pick up his pace and, and making a push for the front. For sure, and from a sta- uh, from a fashion standpoint, uh, how good does that Geico team look now that they're on uh, shift, and uh, also with Christian wearing the Fox gear now? I actually would have preferred him wearing the, the the shift. I think that's a a very strong look for the Geico team going forward. Yeah, that that stuff looks killer. You know, I mean, you know, in my opinion, nothing looks good as good as FXR, um, but yeah, it uh, it looks good. The team looks way more way more solid. Um, Fox has, you know, their way Fox better gear than FXR. Their... <laughs> I don't right. know about all that, but they, it it looks it looks pretty sweet. I mean, you know, Fox is Fox. You know, those guys they're tried and true. They've been around for this long for a reason. You know, they they know their stuff. Um, but yeah, the the team looks really killer. You know, I'm I'm actually not too mad about uh, Christian's gear choice, man. You know, I I think like you said, he he would have looked pretty cool on shift, but. Um, Fox is not a bad look on the guy, man. It's looking, it, look, it looks pretty killer, especially the color combo he went with for the, uh, for the Hangtown race. Um, I think it definitely, definitely caught a lot of attention. Oh, for sure. I think it's way, uh, much, uh, much improved look. Uh, never was really all that much of a fan of the alias stuff. Uh, just never came out with any colorways or designs that really connected with me. 
But uh, uh, either way, uh, the, the team's looking good. Christian's looking good. He'd look better if he was in the top five, which I expect him to be in the next three rounds. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he'll make that Fox gear look a lot nicer with a, you know, a trophy underneath it. So, um, yeah, if, if, if he can nail down some, some, um, some killer starts like he did this past weekend, put his head down, um, I think people are talking a lot more about his, uh, his talent than his gear. So um, let's see what he can pull out in another couple of weeks, and uh, we can see the 3-2 the up front. Speaking of starts and eye-catching gear, this is the best segue of the podcast, by the way. Phil Nicoletti um, wearing every single piece of high-vis yellow that he could possibly find for himself this last weekend aboard the JGR uh, Suzuki, he puts himself 9-9 for ninth overall, and uh, which actually, it, it's um, nice to see that a 9-9 ends up for ninth overall, because all too often, based on the, the randomness or the, the deviation of certain results, 9-9 uh, ends up getting you an 11th, which is just, like, sickening. But uh, either way, um, <laughs> two weeks on a 450 for Phil, and uh, he's able to go 9-9. I expect him to actually be ahead of this list. Um, of of like I th- I find I, I think him and Weston will most likely uh, switch places uh, in after a few weeks of because uh, Phil is possibly one of the more underrated 450 outdoor riders uh, in this field. Uh, he has speed to race and and run down guys like Jason Anderson, guys like Blake Baggett. He's that fast, um, and I, I expect better days from him uh, going forward. He wasn't happy with 9-9, nor should he be, but a good step forward for a guy who uh, hasn't been on a 450 in a little while. Exactly. Um, I think we've seen it over the couple, last couple of years that he's probably one of the fastest fill-in guys that you could have on your team. He's more than capable of a top five. Um, and surprisingly for, for someone that, that isn't one of the, uh, elite trained, um, the guy is super conditioned. I mean, he's one of the very few guys that doesn't get tired during the race. Um, and I will say it's really nice to see him on a 450. Um, I'm, I hate seeing someone in the 250. I know the guy has to get his money somehow, but I mean, it's, it, same with him, him and Benny blows, man. Those guys need to stay full 50 full time. Um, but yeah, it, it was a solid ride. I, I think he can do a lot better than a nine nine. Not hundred percent sure if him and Pike will kind of switch up. I kind of expect both those guys to kind of be in the top five, top six, top seven position. Um, but yeah, uh, Phil Phil needs to uh, needs to get the bike figured out. I know it's a relatively newer bike for him and the team and stuff, but I think I think he can uh, start to start to turn things around. Uh, with a better start, a um, little bit, little bit more uh, aggression in his riding, a little bit more mistake-free, and just kind of getting the jitters out from the first race. Um, I think he's uh, he goes pretty decent at Glen Helen. I'd like to see what he can do on the longer track, um, and and see if he can kind of sneak in and, and steal the spot away from Blows or Baggett or something like that, and and uh, put the high vis yellow stuff up front, man. Uh, but yeah, you needed sunglasses almost through the TV to watch that guy ride, man. It was there was no mistaking him for anybody else. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. And even though the the announcers were calling him uh, Weston Pike for the first uh, lap and a half, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're both the same, right? They're both you know huge dudes. Yeah, yellow bike, <laughs> uh, yellow yellow bike, and uh, and a big stature. That's about the only th- two things those guys have in common. Uh, rounding out your top ten. Go. Uh, Br- Bradley Taft on a uh, thrown-together privateer 
uh, Husqvarna. Looks like a great uh, looks like a great uh, bike that he put together in a short amount of time. FMF exhaust. He's running seven gear now. Splitting ways with the uh, Cycle Trader Rock River Yamaha team, which uh, has not been uh, fully uh, like. There's no press call. There wasn't a press release, anything like that. So uh, just kind of up in the air as far as uh, the reason or or how things uh, kind of fell apart that way. But uh, you can probably imagine, since there wasn't a any type of uh, press release, that it was not on good terms. Um, either way, the guy goes 11:10 in an impressive ride uh, ahead of yeah a, a lot of factory a lot of uh, factory supported guys, a lot of, ahead of a lot of guys that uh, would have otherwise been uh, you'd expect them to be ahead of him. So good ride for Bradley. Yeah, good ride for him. And and going back to the cycle trader thing, uh, it's a little. Little where they didn't have a press release. I mean, they're pretty forthcoming with a lot of info, yeah. and um, to see him not not get like you know a, a, a post about it or anything, it, it's a little weird. Not to mention, um, you know, Alex Ray kind of dropping off and going as a factory fill-in for a little bit. Um, that that was kind of weird. I'm kind of wondering what's going on with the team if they're still uh, still making a push for this thing, or if something happens where they're they're kind of dropping off a little bit if they're. Uh, losing support somehow, which I, I hope not. I want to see as many teams as healthy and thriving as possible. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd be surprised to see what's going on with that team. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, good for Bradley, um, especially on a bike that I'm sure he doesn't have very much time on with, uh, you know, not nearly as much support as he had with Cycle Trader. It's good to see that his talent still shown through and he got a top 10 and a pretty fairly stacked class with some fast guys. So kudos to him. And he pulled it out in front of Ken Roxon, you know, uh, a previous outdoor champion, so um, makes it even cooler. Um, on the flip side, really bummed for Roxon. You know, the guy's yeah. used to winning by a lot, going six sixteen for eleven. Not not what we expect, and I don't think we'll see it for much longer. Um, I think conditioning wise, his first race being back since you know he mangled his arm up with Cooper Webb in San Diego. It's, it's good to see him back you know, on a bike even. I'm sure he's just working his wrist into uh, into race pace, uh, race condition again and working himself into race pace and kind of getting a bike set up because, uh, you know, he doesn't have much time on the uh, the Honda 450 outdoors. Um, so I'm sure he's just working out some bugs. But, yeah, we we do not expect to see Roxon at 11th, you know, say for a, a crash or a fall or something. Um, yeah, he's he's... Uh, we can give him a pass on this one, you know, seeing it, seeing it as how it's his first race back. But uh, he's got to he's got to get back to the front, man. That's where we expect to see Ken Roxon. That's where Honda expects to see Ken Roxon. So um, let's hope that Glenn goes better for him. For sure, I, like this. This is uh, uh, evidence of a rider that has literally just been cleared to start riding. Um, and most guys uh, like like Cooper Webb, who's probably uh, started riding now. Um, are are waiting until they're w- able to go the full pace for the full motos before they uh, they show their face back at the racetrack. Which it, it, it's like there's nothing wrong with that, and there's also nothing wrong with showing up and, and just doing your best. And I, I think that Ken Roxon feels that um, a six. 16 is is better than not showing up at all because he feels that uh in in a short amount of time he's going to be able to uh make a a push for this championship 
and uh, and and maybe later on in the summer uh, when it comes down to it, um, those valuable points that he uh, that he made up this last weekend uh, will come in handy. But uh, um, for all intents and purposes, hats off to Ken Roxon for coming out there and racing and, uh, and and just giving it his all. I was impressed with him to be able to stay in uh, in sixth place ahead of Blake Baggett on the last lap of the first moto. That was a gutsy performance. It, it was. It, you know, the guy was probably hurting a little bit, and um, to, to kind of pull it out in front of Baggett, who we know is a beast in outdoors, that, that says a lot for Ken, you know, given that he the guy's wrists are probably all more metal than, than flesh and, and bone now. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely props to him for that. Um, I, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what he can do in another couple of weeks. Once he gets things figured out and, you know, if anybody has a run for, uh, for Tomac and, uh, and Muskin, I think it's, uh, it's definitely Ken Roxon. You know, the guy, like I said, put us, put on a riding clinic in, uh, 2016, um, aboard the Suzuki. He was, extremely fast kind of steward-esque back in the you know 2003 2004 125 days where he was slicing through the pack a little bit um so i think once this guy gets back up gets his wrists worked out gets the conditioning in order i, I think we should should see roxon back to his winning ways if not pretty damn close to it um yeah it's just it's it's really weird to see him you know anything past the third it, it's kind of weird to see ken roxon pass there and Talking about eleventh man, it doesn't feel right. For sure, and uh, I think that uh, I think this just comes down to Ken Roxon being tired and not racing. The guy wants to be out there on the track, and and has spent uh, too much time over the last two years off the track. And if he's able to do so, I think he's going to be out there, and, and uh, I, I'm, we're, we're glad to see him. Yeah, same. I think it just goes to show what type of competitor he is. You know, like you said, where a guy like you know Webb might want to come back when he's one hundred percent. I think Roxon just wants to ride a damn motorcycle. You know, I think he's going to give it his all no matter what, race himself back into shape, and he just misses being around the fans, misses being around the the sport, uh, misses the gate drop. Um, so I, I think it's definitely good, and uh, it's it, it's surprising to see that in, in, in a, in a elite rider like Roxon, you know what I mean? We're, like I said, we're used to seeing guys kind of wait until everything's perfect, but to see him come out and just just ride because he wants to ride and he really misses the sport um, shows shows what kind of person he is. And I think a lot of people really appreciated seeing him out there. For sure. And uh, and better days for him to come, I, I do guarantee. And uh, I guess I've said that for a number of guys, so someone's got to have a bad day at some point. But who didn't have a bad day was Jake Masterpool, first professional race, 14-14 in the big class. Um, absolute pleasure to be around this kid. Uh, he's got a great family that he comes from. The Masterpools have taken a lot of young athletes under their wing. Uh, uh, Ty Masterpool, Jake Masterpool, obviously. Uh, Jesse is uh, is no longer with us, but these two kids continue to twist the loud handle and uh, and get it done. Uh, now riding Yamahas, most likely to uh, in line with the support that Ty is getting with the factory uh, super, or not super mini, but on a 125 with the uh, the, the star racing effort uh, in the amateur ranks from Yamaha, and um, a great ride from him. Honestly, I, I actually uh, when he was as high as 11th at one point, I expected him to stay there, but uh, um, from a young kid who's never raced national before with the 450 class, 14th, 14th for 14th overall. Nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I did not expect to see it, see a master pull up there like this. I will be a hundred percent honest with you. I knew the kid had tremendous talent. 
Um, but I did not think in a, in a, a field this deep with uh, him being a rookie on a 450, kind of foregoing the, the 250 smaller class, I did not see him going, you know, anything higher than a 20-something or 30-something even. So I am pleasantly surprised to see that. Usually when you hear a master pull, you know, you hear of a tire a little bit, just making the move up to the big bikes. Um, but to see Jake up there, man, it's, it's really cool. Like you said, they're um, great people, comes from a great family, um, super talented family. I mean, if you, talk, if you follow the guy on Instagram, him or, or his brother, the things those guys can do on a motorcycle, it's just phenomenal. Um, so if this is an indication of what we can see in the future, then um, this guy's definitely going places. I mean, first race, 14-14. Uh, I wonder what he can do with some decent training, some good conditioning, some more support. I mean, who knows? I mean, this is as a rookie. I mean, you can't you can't ask for a much better ride than that. Um, so I, I I hope the guy's getting some support sincerely because uh, this this could be a this, this guy could be a front runner pretty soon if uh, he has the right support behind him. Absolutely, one could argue that he probably deserves to have a factory ride uh, more than uh, anyone else on a Yamaha right now. Uh, Maybe yeah, not more than it's... anybody else, but uh, he definitely <laughs> could take that spot uh, next to uh, Justin Barsha. I think that would be a great idea. Oh yeah, I I think it'd be it'd be cool to see him in there if he can nail another another uh, position like this fourteen fourteen um, or or something better like a ten eleven or eight or something crazy. Uh, I think he's going to open a lot a lot of eyes, and the guy can run the four fifty very well. Bigger statured kid. Um, stands up on the pegs a lot, like most taller guys do. Um, not afraid to hang it out. Not afraid to to search for some weird lines and uh, and, and you know pass on the outsides like Villapoto a couple of years ago. So um, I think the guy's got a tremendous talent. And who knows? Maybe uh, maybe if something pops up, they'll they'll need a fill in guy. You know, who says he has to stay Yamaha? You know, I kind of go where the go where the opportunities go. So. Um, I'm excited to see how the year goes for him. I, I, I hope he does all of the races. I hope this isn't just like a, you know, a local deal for the California rounds. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see the guy mix it up and, and get some experience and start making a name for himself. Absolutely. I think uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Looking forward to seeing more from him going forward. Before uh, we wrap up this podcast, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to um, – Chris Aldridge, who uh, coming back from a terrible uh, back injury at uh, Salt Lake City, or not, uh, Seattle of last year, um, a, a crash that left him uh, pretty much, uh, out, like basically almost out of the sport. Uh, he ends up riding a 252 stroke and actually doing quite well. Um, maybe not in both motos, but uh, sure as heck better than the other two-stroke did. Uh, he ends up, uh, I don't see him, so maybe he was closer to the back outside the top 30, but nevertheless, uh, decent rides for a guy who's, uh, for all intents and purposes, lucky to be walking. Um, oddly enough, and I thought this is about as motocross as it gets, Garrett Steinke raced both motos as hard as he could on his um, his KTM 250SX. He got 35th in both motos. And uh, Dave, would you, would you uh, guess... Um, roughly where he finished in uh, in, in the, the the overall standings for the day with a thirty five thirty five moto scores. What puts some big money to thirty fifth overall? Uh, well, you would be wrong in no, in thinking that because because uh, Garrett Steinke went thirty five thirty five for fortieth overall because those who finished 
behind him in those other five moto or other two motos, um, I guess must have been different people in both motos, and uh, they all had better motos in the other one. So uh, that uh, whether they got points or not, that still puts them ahead of him for the day. So um, yeah, that being said. He's uh, he ends up forty. Oh, that that is impressive to go to lose five positions on your overall, uh, but without uh, yeah, uh, without your position being uh, indicative of those fin- of that overall finish. But yeah, thirty five, thirty five for fortieth. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, I I would uh, I'd be pretty bummed uh, if I got thirty fifth and got pushed back to fortieth. But um, kudos to that guy for riding the two stroke, man. If anyone could do it, it's. It's stinky, man. That guy can ride ride the wheels off a of two stroke. It, it's it's pretty cool to see him do that. Watching him ride one twenty fives against the two fifties a couple of years ago, that was awesome. Uh, kind of bummed he kept blowing the bike up, but man, he he rang that thing out. So I was keeping the two stroke guys alive. I know you love seeing the two, the KTM two fifty two stroke up there, um, kind of repping for you guys. So. Um, I'm pumped. The more races he does in that two-stroke, and the more uh, the more better finishes he gets, then I'm I'm going to be pumped every single weekend. I mean, I think it's hearing the two-stroke go around the track is something that a lot of people are, are missing, and he brings uh, he brings some old school flair to the sport, which we desperately need. So, um, props to him, man. If, I, I hope he's getting some decent support and can uh, can get that two-stroke up a little bit higher and maybe score a few points before the season's over. Oh heck yeah, and I, I think you can count on that from uh, from Chris uh, Chris Aldridge. I I don't it doesn't show him in the in the heat in the results. So in the top thirty, so he must have been just outside. But twenty uh, second in the first moto, uh, he's just right there as far as get, uh, about to get points on that thing, and uh, might have to track him down for a podcast this week. But uh, uh, great ride from him, great ride from Stank Dog, and uh, I hear. That uh, thanks to some sponsors uh, of yours uh, that uh, help you out so much, uh, not only did you ride this weekend, uh, Dave, but uh, you also uh, were looking good doing it. Thanks to John Cluter over at LS2 Helmets and uh, my good friend Andy White over at FXR, the gear company that's not as good as the other ones. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, FXR definitely hooked it up this uh, this week. Uh, but yeah, finally got to swing my leg over my dirt bike after I don't know how many weeks of being off and chasing the the Supercross series around. Um, yeah, felt awesome to finally just dust off the cobwebs. Definitely was uh, a little bit slower than I wanted to be, but you know it's all about riding, having fun. But yeah, Andy um, sent me a set of the, the killer new Revo gear, man, and I was just I was like a kid in a candy store. I couldn't stop smiling. The stuff fit amazing, super bright. Love. Uh, it, it's perfect. I, I honestly don't have words for it, man. It, just, it fit awesome, looked good, stuff holds up awesome. I thought for sure it had some scuffs all over it from a few tumbles I took because uh, uh, unlike Tomac, I don't, I can't take those hits and just keep going like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything held up great. LS2 kept me uh, kept me predicted up top and uh, felt awesome. Uh, the gear setup is on point, and uh, I was happy used to be riding. I wish I was half as good as half the guys we just talked about. You know, as long as we're having fun. Hey, that's why we got to talk about them and they're not having a show talking about us. <laughs> exactly. You wrote two this week, man, so we're, uh, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. Twisting, twisting the, the loud handle, my friend. Getting that throttle therapy that's much needed 
to head into a long week. Obviously, uh, yours is a little bit longer than my week. Although you'll be riding motorcycles rather than laying bricks, so I think that's kind of six one six and one half dozen in the other. But today was the Queen's birthday, so um, we uh, Canada gets the day off when the Queen has a birthday. Oh, nice! Yeah, Dude, Canada sounds cooler and cooler every time I talk to somebody from Canada. They're just I, they have nothing bad to say about it. Yeah, we're gonna have you up here, man. We're gonna we'll have you up here, and we'll give you the full experience. We'll give you the collective experience of Canada. How about that sound? Perfect. You know, I'm all into that. Awesome, man. Well, it's well past your bedtime. You gotta get up the next uh, tomorrow morning and get uh, get some stuff done. Uh, before I let you go, let people know where they can get more information on the collective experience. Then I'll let you go to bed. Sure. Yeah. Check us out on Instagram at the Collective EX. Or hit us up online at uh, thecollectivexp.com. Drop us an email at contact at thecollectivexp.com. Uh, we've got a, a bunch of cool um, VIP opportunities for outdoors at select races with Henry Miller. Uh, we've got some with Brendan Scharer um, and more to be announced soon. Uh, coming out with us, get to know these riders, get to know their teams, get connected, um, really have a good time and, and see the sport from a perspective that you probably – wouldn't be able to otherwise. Um, any questions, feel free to hit us up. We respond almost immediately. And uh, our job is to make sure that you feel like a VIP at these races and like you're the number one fan. So um, don't be afraid. Let us let us uh, get to know you a little bit better and uh, definitely sign up, help these privateers, and uh, have a kick-ass time. Awesome, man. Well, as always, appreciate the time <clears throat> coming on the podcast and giving us your two cents. Um, appreciate Anytime. you uh, uh, being um, as objective as you can be and uh, and being as knowledgeable as you always are. Dave, uh, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. <laughs>